You're tuned in to the Action for Happiness podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Guy. In this episode, we're back on the road for another Carpool podcast. Our guest today is Mo Gordat, and he's the former chief business officer for Google X, an entrepreneur, and author of the book, Soul for Happy. Now, his understanding of happiness is truly remarkable. Having spent over a decade researching and reading on the subject, following the tragic death of his 21-year-old son. We talk about how he was able to turn this terrible event into a wonderful life of helping others and inspired his mission to make one billion people happy. Mo and I drive down through West London from Hammersmith to Victoria via Buckingham Palace in all its glory. Mo's breakdown of life, happiness, suffering, meditation and politics is a breath of fresh air and it really hits at the core. So I, I work with a lot of billionaires, mm-hmm. uh, you know, billionaires like in terms of money billionaires. Yeah. Uh, many, 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 many of them are not happy, okay? Uh, and they're not happy for, uh, not in not despite having billions, but perhaps because of having yeah. billions. Um, happy, happiness appears to be a very complex thing. It's not at all. It follows a very predictable equation. Yeah, yeah. And the equation is your happiness is equal to or greater than the difference between the events of your life mm-hmm. and your expectation of how a life should be. Yeah. Okay? Life is a zero-sum game. Huh? Mm-hmm. At the end of it, you come, you come to life with no money and you leave with no money. And everything that you earn in between, you can never sleep on two beds. You can never wear more than two t-shirts, you know, a t-shirt and a shirt on top of it. Action for Happiness is a movement of people committed to building a happier and more caring society. And the guests we have on the podcast epitomize this. So don't forget to like, follow and subscribe to not miss out on any episodes. And visit the website actionforhappiness.org for more details and access to the latest audio and video episodes. Well, you know, thank, again, thank you so much for doing this. Oh my God, it's my pleasure. No, you've, this is so cool, huh? You've given, you've already given a couple of talks at Action for Happiness. So I you love know, Action yeah. for so Happiness. So you're no stranger to us. I really love what you guys are doing. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's an effort that is needed, mm-hmm. and you do it well. And so, yeah, absolutely. Well, I was there for the first talk you gave, in, well, the first talk that I saw you give mm-hmm. in 2018, and I've seen quite a few speakers come you know especially specifically on the subject of mm-hmm. happiness and you know so you came down but when you started speaking about the tragedy the tragic loss of your son you know i couldn't help but just you know sit back up straight and <laughs> how can you not listen passionately then to everything you said thereafter and being a father myself so yeah and i just want to want to want to thank you for um, for the message that you're sharing and you know and doing it in such a you know a strong and courageous way but it led to something spectacular, right? The book, the yeah. best-selling book that you wrote, and then the and your journey and your mission and helping to teach yeah. and to, to, to share your message. You know, in, even though the tragic loss of your son, prior to that, you, you mentioned that even though you had wealth and a good job and a great family, there was still, yeah, I think the word you used, miserable, right? <laughs> Depressed, yeah. When we hear of people like Robin Williams and recently Anthony yeah. Bourdain, the, yeah. these famous, yeah. where you, you yeah. think on paper they have it all, yeah, and yet we we see these these tragic results. So would you mind, you know, speaking a little bit it's about a, that? It's a, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Honestly, I'm your happiness, your state of happiness, is literally irrelevant. To the events of your life, mm-hmm. it you know the the I could know everything about you, 
uh, uh, you know, and it uh, about your current state in life, and it wouldn't tell me more than ten percent of of the reality of your state of happiness. And yeah. happiness is a choice uh, that we uh, have in terms of how we perceive the events of our life. Mm-hmm. And if we don't perceive the events of our life uh, for what they really are, most of the time we get what I call unwarranted unhappiness unwarranted unhappiness is unhappiness that you suffer and you could suffer for years that has absolutely no reason other than the way you thought about things okay mm-hmm. uh, and, and think about it huh uh, you don't have to be a, a Robin Williams or an Anthony Bourdain to realize that uh, you know when you got your first job you may have told yourself well if I can make 150 pounds a month that will be amazing or whatever the number huh? and then mm-hmm. you make that and then you wait uh, uh, a month and then you start to tell yourself no nah, that's not enough you, may, you know I, I need to build a family and I need to have a mortgage and then you say maybe a thousand five hundred and then you make that and then suddenly you go like no nah, that's not enough I need you know five times that and and every time you achieve a goal yeah it's funny huh? you achieve a goal and then the minute you get it you start to chase another goal yeah mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it makes you happy perhaps for I don't know five days of a month and then it goes mm-hmm. yeah and, and you can see that um, whatever it is that you're given if you don't find gratitude in you you're mm-hmm. gonna find the reason to be unhappy yeah. So you could have everything in life, hmm? and if you look for something wrong with your life, you know what? You're just going to feel unhappy. Yeah. And is that why, um, you know, once you hit the billion mark, you're you find that there there'll be a desire for another project, right? So I, I work with a lot of billionaires. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, billionaires like in terms of money, billionaires. Yeah. Uh, many, 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 many of them are not happy. Okay, uh, and they're not happy for uh, not in not despite having billions, but perhaps because of having yeah. billions. Um, All to, right, yeah. to to me, I think a billionaire of a billion happy people is really a wonderful, a wonderful, wonderful target. I sometimes tell myself, you know, if uh, and I say it publicly, if uh, if I by the end of my life spend everything I've ever earned in my professional career mm-hmm. all that Google gave me and barely had enough money to eat one last meal before I die yeah. uh, but managed to make a billion happy or even 500 happy doesn't yeah. matter the number huh? Yeah. Uh, would, it, would that count as success? Mm. that is the ultimate form of success if you ask me I think we forgot I think we forgot in the modern world because of the way capitalism runs our uh, our life, uh, we, we, we tend to believe that success is about making money and buying things, okay? Right. Um, but the truth is in the past, you know, just 100, 150 years ago, before the Industrial Revolution completely took over, success was to create something amazing. Well, if, if you were a shoemaker, all you wanted to do was make good shoes. And because if you made good shoes, customers will come, yeah. Uh, you know, you would give them the, the shoe, they would give you, you know, 14 eggs and life would go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, it, it is now, it starts from how much money am I going to make? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we forget that in the process of making money, we should actually make a difference. We should offer something that is wonderful, that has an impact and a value to the world, right? Yeah. 
Um, and I, I find that stunning, really. It's, it's crazy. It's strange. Huh? Uh, it is... It's, you know, it's, it's giving up on what really matters in favor of something that doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Because life is a zero-sum game. Huh? Mm -hmm. At the end of it, you come, you come to life with no money and you leave with no money. And everything that you earn in between, you can never sleep on two beds. You can never wear more than two t-shirts, you know, a t-shirt and a shirt on top of it. Yeah. I only wear one most of the time. Actually, this is a shirt. Did you yeah. see that? I, I, yeah. yeah, I don't have laundry, so I had to <laughs> wear a shirt today. But I always wear a t-shirt, huh? yeah. and t-shirts are so You simple. made an effort for the podcast, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, how do you guys like me today? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, but, but that's the truth. Huh? And, so, and so, yeah, you could probably wear an Armani suit instead of a normal suit. Yeah. Trust me. Hmm? Two minutes in, you will forget what you're wearing. Okay, uh, you know you could wear. I remember vividly. I bought, you know, in my in my crazy years, I bought so many cars. They're beautiful and expensive and fabulous cars. Yeah. You sit in. You, you look at it from the outside and you go like, "Wow, I made it. I'm amazing, yeah. right?" And then you sit inside, and what do you do when you sit inside the car? You look at the road. Yeah. And every car, when you're looking at the road, is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter if there is a Bentley logo or a Seat logo. You're still looking at the road. Yeah. Okay. And and it just hits you when you have those things that they don't really matter at all. You know, who is your audience when you're, you know, you're promoting and you're you're writing the book? Who, who do you envis envisage as your audience? Because I, there's because there's those that turn to these kind of books and to the idea of what is happiness when they're struck with something <laughs> when they're suffering right yeah but there's also like um you know an audience that they're not particularly suffering or but they're they're interested in these in these life lessons right so when, so when you're you know so who is your your audience when you're doing this you'll be surprised so so in my writing career i'm very different than my business career i don't have targets mm -hmm. i don't have audience i don't have marketing okay yeah. uh, i don't have sales figures or you know i try to measure how many uh, millions of people we make happy every year mm -hmm. uh, simply for um, you know to, to make it better, but not to give ourselves a target. And I'll tell you openly, who do I write for? Mm -hmm. I write for me, mm -hmm. okay? I write what I believe. My writing is often a journey of self-discovery, if you want. And, uh, you know, when I wrote Solve for Happy, uh, on one side it was a book that was written to, um, you know, communicate Ali's mission to the world. But yeah. on the other side, remember, huh? I wrote Soul for Happy 17 days after, after Ali's death. It was my way of going into myself uh, to remember and analyze and reflect so that I can go through my grief. Right. Okay? And I was writing Soul for Happy with a message of happiness to the world because I could actually feel a glimpse of me being able to be happy in that circumstance, uh, you know, and, and, and I saw this as an opportunity for anyone to be happy because there is no doubt that the hardest thing any human can ever face is to lose a child. And to lose a child like Ali is just, I mean... How old you, was he? He was 21 and a half. Wow. If you had hugged him once, mm -hmm. believe me, you would know that I have the right to cry for the rest of my life. He was just an un 
unbelievable, incredible human being, incredible yeah. human being in so many ways. Uh, he radiated love and positivity and wisdom. And, you know, to have him in your life is like, he became the pillar of my life. But, but you see, the point is this, huh? Um, we, again, we forget in our modern world how much we attempt to, um, to, to do things for the wrong reasons. Okay? When you do something for the wrong reasons, what happens to you is uh, you achieve what you set out for and it's not really what you want. Mm -hmm. It's not really what you should want. Yeah. Okay? Which really, really is eye-opening. I write, uh, uh, you know, since Soul for Happy, I wrote uh, what could count as three books. Mm -hmm. I didn't publish two of them. One of them is finally ready. ready. Actually, next week we're going to open for early readers to you know, shred it and tell us uh, how to make it better. Uh, <coughs> but um, the, the, the previous two I wrote with no objective whatsoever, well, you know. You know, we have the, um, this epidemic, as it, as it were, of depression. And, you know, yeah. you speak about one in four people being clinically depressed, yeah. Yeah. Um, suicides higher than ever before. Yeah. You know, what do you think one of the, the fundamental reasons is for this growing trend where, you know, as, as a people, we are richer, we're wealthier than ever before, mm -hmm. we're safer mm -hmm. than ever before. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, why, why this? Be because why, why because this? happiness uh, is not about the events of your life. It's about that comparison between the event and your expectation. Yeah. And along with your increased quality of life, unfortunately, what happens is that your expectations of a higher quality of life continues to increase. Mm -hmm. So you take the example of you know Scandinavian countries in Northern Europe, yeah. which by uh, measurement, you know, with uh, with all of the statistics. <coughs> that show you uh, they have the highest um, subjective well-being, quality of living, yeah. also have the highest um, uh, incidences of suicide. Mm. Okay? And, you know, I, I taught a, uh, a retreat for a, a very small group of very select uh, people from Belgium, group from Belgium. And, um, you know, you could, you could easily understand why, because in Northern Europe, when you are given such a high level of, uh, um, of um, you know, subjective well-being, of quality of life, your expectations are reset. It's almost as if you've signed an agreement with a telco that guarantees you, uh, you know, 99.99% availability of service, right? Yeah. And life doesn't sign agreements. Life is full of surprises and challenges and I call the I call it the fun of life, right? Mm -hmm. And and you know when your expectation is that everything has to comply exactly with how we want it to be, you're much more likely to find that nothing actually does at all. Yeah, life never complies. In you know your girl your girlfriend's gonna uh, you know. Uh, uh, um, um, want you to do certain things, your boyfriend might actually cheat, you know, your your boss is going to be annoying, bosses are supposed to be annoying, you know, uh, the GoPro will stop in the middle of the recording and, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's fine, it's yeah. fine, it really is all about, so how do we handle those things? If your expectation grows alongside your quality of life, you end up most of the time finding unhappiness more often than happiness. Now, take the opposite of that and go to India or the Caribbean or, you know, Latin America or parts of Africa and you'll see that people have a very modest life. 
but very realistic expectations. Yeah. Okay. And because of that, you know, their lives are much, much, much happier. Mm? Right. They, they, you know, go to anywhere in Latin America, and if you make enough for the day, you don't worry about your retirement. You don't worry about what your uh, neighbor, uh, what car your neighbor has. You simply say, okay, today is fantastic. Uh, let's spend time with the family. Go dancing. Have a good meal. And tomorrow will figure itself out. Mm -hmm. And that's an attitude. It's not about what quality life gives you. It's it's your it's your expectation of what is a good life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one of your most notable, well, for me, as I've been, you know, digging down and researching, and I saw saw the equation written out. So perhaps you know, I would love if you could just explain a little bit about what the equation is and with some examples. Yeah. Because it took me a while just to kind of, I had to play some few examples in my head to really yeah. understand how it worked. Yeah. Happiness appears to be a very complex thing. It's not at all. It follows a very predictable equation. Yeah. yeah. And the equation is your happiness is equal to or greater than the difference between the events of your life mm -hmm. and your expectation of how life should be. Yeah. Okay. So no single event in your life has ever made you happy or unhappy. It's that comparison between the event and what you want the event to be that makes you happy or unhappy. And our brains get engaged in this literally all the time. So, you know, I get in this car and the first thing I do is I sit on the seat and I say, is it in the right place? Are my knees going to hurt? You know, is uh, is my back going to be fine? Is, is London traffic... And is the aircon too cold? Or it, right? it's, uh, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you is, the London, that, yeah. is the London traffic going to be annoying? You know, your brain goes through all of these. Mm -hmm. Okay. It sort of tells it tells me, hey, by the way, if the traffic is too much, maybe you're going to be late. So you need to plan this. You need to call this. Mm -hmm. All of those actions are your brain comparing events to expectations. Yeah. Okay. If the event meet, meet, meets your expectations, your brain does something amazing. It shuts up, mm -hmm. which is really the best thing your brain can ever do. Huh? Yeah. When it shuts up, uh, you have no reason to feel unhappy and your default setting since you were a child is happy okay right. it's the point is when your brain uh, uh, finds that the event doesn't meet its expectations that's when it starts to engage in alerting you so that you do something about it, it basically your brain turns into one massive fire alarm mm -hmm. okay and because if your brain you know whispers in your head like it does all the time and says hey by the way um, um, the the chair is not uh, is not um, oops yeah, oh, the, the chair is not. Yeah, the chair is not. Or yeah, this is not going to sound great in the in the recording. Or the bike next to us is going to make a noise, huh? <laughs> the 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 the, the, sec the second your brain does that, yeah, uh, it's literally like a fire alarm going off. Yeah. Okay. What your fire alarm is is there for is to tell you there is a fire. Leave the building. Yeah. For most, it's a survival mechanism. Huh? Right. Unhappiness is a survival mechanism. For most of us, what happens is we end up um, um, staying in the room, okay? Not only listening to the fire alarm and not taking action, but making it worse. Like, you know, you take a, 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 a kitchen utensil and then you start hitting and making more noises. You know, your brain goes like the, 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 the motorbike is going to make some noises in the podcast and then it starts to add... And that's because you planned badly. Mm. And that's because London is a, is a horrible place. And that's because <laughs> motorbikes should be banned from, you know, from the universe. Mm. And, and, and you can build as many stories as you want. Yeah. Okay. And the only purpose of them, by the way, you can make as many stories as you want. 
the bike is still gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? There is no way the bike is going to move until the traffic light turns red, turns green. So you can feel unhappy, but it's not gonna change a thing. And yet we do it over and over and over. Now, take as many examples of that. Huh? Rain never makes anyone unhappy or happy. Huh? Rain makes you happy if you want to water your plant. It makes you up unhappy if you want to suntan. Okay, yeah. uh, you know nature has that tendency to make most of us happy. Why? Because when you're in nature, events always meet expectations. You don't. You never really look at a tree that is a little a little crooked, mm-hmm. and you tell yourself, "Ah, it shouldn't <laughs> be that way. It should be 90 degrees vertical. This is not how it's supposed to be." Right? Mm-hmm. If a tree is crooked, you look at it and you say, "Wow." This is what I expect from nature. It's beautiful. You sit in front of the ocean. You hear the waves, right? You see the beautiful view and no one ever says, oh, I love the view, but can we please mute the sound, right? You expect that there is going to be a monotonous sound on the side and and so on. Gratitude makes us happy because gratitude is not only that events are meeting expectations. Mm -hmm. Gratitude is a practice that reminds your brain that events are even better than meeting expectations. They're so much better than expectations that you're grateful for them. Yeah. Okay? Now, you start to apply all of the little tricks about happiness that we hear hmm, and apply the happiness equation on it and then suddenly you start to realize why is it that actually some things work and some things don't. Yeah. Now there is an equation, it's predictable. And when it's once it's predictable, then everything about happiness becomes predictable. It becomes a choice followed by effort. Yeah. Okay. Which is when you when you asked me who is your target, hmm? I write uh, like Google develops software. We n- used to develop software for uh, the thinkers, the trendsetters. Okay. Knowing that if we could capture their imagination, others would follow. Yeah. Okay. And when I wrote about happiness, when I write about happiness today. I write for the professional people out there that are in the real world making a difference and engaged, hmm? but that they don't have that they that don't have the time perhaps to meditate on a regular basis, that perhaps don't want to listen to the mystical, beautiful side of spiritual teachings mm-hmm. because they're not this is not their strength. Yeah. Okay? Uh, you know, w- when you talk to people in the modern world who are supposed to engage on daily basis, to engage on daily basis, you know, solving problems and being analytical and adding numbers and looking at facts and data and science, um, you know, uh, you need to speak a slightly different language, and, and that's what I attempt to do by offering an equation that uh, that uh, you know asserts the predictability of happiness. You're listening to the Action for Happiness podcast. My name's Guy, and on today's episode, we are joined by Mo Gorda, a man on a mission to get one billion people happy. So I heard you mention the word meditate there. In you know, one of your in the Action for Happiness talk, you spoke. You mentioned that at the time of your son's passing, a feeling of you know trying to trying to find ways to, to learn about happiness and yeah. you were getting advice like you know you know just meditate and say om <laughs> and that that would have but you and but you had like a almost like a, an angry negative response to not that. really no 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 I, no I get I get angry so remember a happiness practitioners quest is a search for the truth mm-hmm. okay uh, I uh, find that the truth sets you free okay uh, and 
there are so many wonderful people with amazing intentions that want to make people happy by saying meditation works for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it will work for everyone else. Uh, mm -hmm. I I am highly uh, intolerant to garlic. Okay. <laughs> My mother believed until today that garlic is one of the healthiest things mm -hmm. you can ever put in your body. Okay. Yeah. And. It, perhaps it is for her, it yeah. just isn't for me. Right. Okay, now here's the challenge. Meditation absolutely works. Hmm? But it was designed in times where a monk could spend four hours a day for 17 years meditating. And you know how neuroplasticity works, huh? What you use grows, what you don't stops. Yeah. It shrinks. Hmm? Yeah. And so if you manage to meditate, if you manage to build a lifestyle where you meditate regularly, yeah. say an hour a day, every single day, okay? Two hours is even better. I know friends who meditate three hours a day or four hours a day. They mm -hmm. wake up at 5 a.m. and they meditate, right? right? If you can manage to do that, you will get the full benefit of the practice that is called meditation, yeah. okay? How many people meditate regularly? In this country, statistics will tell you less than 10% of the citizens of the United Kingdom right. meditate more than once a month. Once a month is nothing. It's yeah. literally as if you're telling yourself, I'm gonna nurture my body by eating one meal every month. Yeah. Okay, doesn't work, just doesn't work. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? You deal with that by understanding the essence of meditation and doing it as part of your daily practice, okay? So, you know, I, I basically, I, I work on what I call meditation in the modern world. Meditation in the modern world is a practice where you can uh, include that deliberate attention that comes with meditation in everything that you do. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, um, when I walk to work, hmm, I, I give myself the simple task of uh, uh, taking one beautiful picture every day. Yeah. Okay. And is that meditation? Absolutely, because it basically engages deliberate attention. It uses my prefrontal cortex for, uh, for attention, for searching for things. It takes all of the distractions of incessant thoughts away because I'm actually paying attention to the things around me. Yeah. It engages all of my uh, being in terms of being present in that moment I'm in. Yeah. Okay. And that's what meditation is all about. Whether you're observing orange blossoms on a tree, a, a butterfly, or people smiling, or whether you're observing your breathing, it doesn't actually make a difference as long as you experience life as it is right now. Yeah. Okay? And you can include so many of those practices in your life every single day, and that's what meditation is all about. Now, if you cannot afford to, uh, um, you know, to, meditate then you absolutely need to start putting those in place yeah I mean yeah. why why is it that um, uh, people can't you know um, uh, come to a place like this hmm? yeah I, I would come to a place like this and I would observe the patterns on the uh, uh, stone floors yeah okay and then I would actually uh, uh, try to observe the patterns of the metal fence Mm -hmm. And then I would count the number of windows. Yeah. I would look at the um, you know marble columns, mm -hmm. and I would try to see if there are lines. You know, mm -hmm. are they one piece or multiple pieces? Okay. Uh, you know, simple, simple. Huh? I would look at the. So tourists. you're doing exercises to to 
to observe, prevent your mind from absolutely. being distracted and going different directions. To, direction, to right? observe the world as it is. Yeah. Okay. Now, understand, however, huh? most people will tell you meditation is an exercise to calm your brain. That's absolutely not true. Yeah. Okay. Somehow, meditation will meditators. Uh, perhaps not the experienced ones, not the real advanced ones, will tell you it's good to calm your brain. It's, it's almost as if thinking is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Thinking is, isn't a bad thing. Thinking is what makes us so incredibly civilized. Mm-hmm. But can we argue that too much thi- No, no, no. Too much useful thinking is amazing. It's useless thinking. It's negative thinking. Okay, but what if you if you wake up and your thoughts are I'm no good and I'm not worthy? That's horrible. Okay. Yeah, but, but, but meditation what, 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 gives you that tool, the ability to it, become the observer of thoughts, it, right? Excellent. So what what what? So so if you actually really go into the the depth of meditation, the practice of calming your brain mm-hmm. is basically learning to control your mind. Okay, mm-hmm. learning to grab to to grab attention to the to the things that matter. Okay, and just like any beginner, you need to start by the easiest path. So, your breath is a very interesting way where you can actually grab your attention and focus on your breath. And then, when you d- you're this this uh, distracted, you can bring it back. Okay, but every meditator will tell you that advanced meditation is analytical. It's you go from observing your breath to observing your body to observing this to observing that mm-hmm. to then observing your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To then analyzing your thoughts, you know, to to uh, reflect on the um, reality, on objective reality, is an exercise that Tibetan uh, monks will do, mm-hmm. and that is not to stop thinking; it's to think in a regulated, controlled way. Right. Okay. So I actually have a very simple, very very simple uh, deal with my brain. Okay. I encourage my brain to go wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah only with useful thoughts and joyful thoughts mm-hmm. okay give me as many useful thoughts as many joyful thoughts as you want mm? useful thoughts are problem solving they're experiential thinking yeah. and their flow these are the three types of, of, of thoughts that are useful yeah. incessant thinking zero is allowed right. okay not zero I actually treat my brain kindly huh? so you know it's like if someone if one of my team walks in complaining about something mm-hmm. I give them 10 minutes I say yeah Tell me, tell me what's in your heart. What else? What else? What else? But after the first 10 minutes, I will encourage them and say, okay, what is good about the situation that you haven't observed? Okay. What can you see that actually makes things better? Hmm? What can you, can you see the whole truth? Can you reflect on the entire situation? 10 minutes of experiential thinking, wonderful, useful thoughts. Okay. Then I tell them, what can we do about it? Mm-hmm. What can we do about it is useful thoughts hmm, that solve problems and make things better. And even, by the way, even if you don't solve the problem, just by engaging in experiential thoughts and useful uh, analytical thinking, yeah. insightful thoughts, hmm, just by doing that, there is no more incessant thoughts. Incessant thoughts are the reason for all unhappiness. Okay? If you don't turn an event into an incessant thought and ruminate again, uh, 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 on it until it tortures you, yeah. you cannot be unhappy. Yeah. I'm with you right now. My son left our world. Okay? Mm-hmm. Until I say those words, until I uh, um, um, you know, contemplate them and make them worse by telling myself things like, 
it's because you didn't protect him you took him to the wrong hospital you did this you did that i could i could torture myself yeah right? but in the absence of the thought i'm okay mm -hmm. i'm okay hmm? i don't you know i don't deny that my son left the world hmm? yeah. i feel the pain every time i think about it but there is no point thinking about it all the time okay yeah. instead when my brain tells me ali died mm -hmm. i say okay let's do something about it let's yeah. honor him let's turn this into positive energy in the world and i literally i have a very simple practice every time my brain tells me ali died hmm? I, i answer in one of two ways one of them encourages actions yeah where i tell my brain great so let's get up and make a thousand people happy today okay Let, let's make a thousand people love him as much as i do yeah wonderful huh or the other by the way is i tell i tell my brain the whole truth experiential thinking huh? the whole truth is yes ali died but ali also lived mm. ali lived how do you how how can you forget that brain how can you forget that i was given the gift of a lifetime mm -hmm. 21 and a half years of absolute bless blessing Uh, you know, uh, um, absolute joy, hmm? absolute wisdom in my life. How can I forget this? Yeah. How can I ignore the fact that Ali lived? Right. Okay. And when I remind my brain that Ali lived, that's a joyful thought. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because then when I tell my brain Ali lived, my brain starts to go like, yeah, remember when we played this game together? Remember when we, uh, uh, you know, um, discussed that topic together? Remember when, um, you know, um, we um, uh, played music together? It's yeah. all wonderful. And I yeah. wouldn't trade it for anything, even the, even losing the pain of losing it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Whew, Steve. <laughs> it's not. It is really just reality. It really is just reality. It's if you see the truth, mm -hmm. you're happy. No, 100% agree. Yeah. And um, I guess we're, we're almost there. I've got a couple more questions I wanted to get in first. You know, we just passed Buckingham Palace and yeah. a couple of weeks ago, um, Donald Trump was there. <laughs> and yeah. um, I just wanted to, to find out from you, you know, given you know, all your 12 plus years of reading and researching on, on the subject of happiness, you know, how, how conflicting or confusing is it when you, when you see, hear and see some of the messages and, <laughs> and um, yeah, the messages from, from our world leaders and our politicians, you know, you know how, how do you, how does that or does it not resonate with you? Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't. So I, I'll ask you a couple of questions. Yeah. Um, since Donald Trump was elected, has your life changed in any meaningful way at all? Mm, no. Anything at all? Like, uh, have you, is the, uh, you know, most people when I ask them this question, yeah. they, they pause for a second and then they go like, no, I'm driving the same car. I'm going to the same job or another similar job. I'm taking the same, you know, path. I eat the same things. And other than the noise yeah. uh, created all around us, your specific life hasn't changed at all. Mm -hmm. If you were okay then and you were okay then, you're okay now. Okay? Um, the difference is thoughts. And those thoughts are not necessarily about how your life condition is. It's about fear of how your life condition could be if our world leader is a Donald Trump, right? right? Now, fear is an exaggerated response 
there is theoretically a system in place that regulates, uh, you know, um, um, how uh, how things are going, and that leads me to my second question. Mm -hmm. Okay, I come to the UK often, and you know, I've been here for a, a few weeks now. Um, let me ask you a question. The, the word Brexit mm -hmm. is probably said as often as the word she. Okay? It's like it's almost every third conversation is about Brexit. Yeah. And I believe that this was the case since Brexit. So a few years now. Have you contributed anything whatsoever? You personally. Okay? By listening to the BBC every morning. Hmm? Uh, getting aggravated about what's going on, then going and talking to your friends, and then, right? Have you actually contributed anything concrete? Have you made a difference to the situation? I don't think so, no. Nothing at all. Mm -hmm. Nothing at all, okay? Uh, I realized that. I recognized that a very long time ago. Uh, I gave up on it when the Arab Spring was happening, and then it, I, I, it hit me so strongly, because when the Arab Spring was happening, I was living in Dubai, and, uh, you know, by watching the news every day, I just killed myself. Mm. My heart would ache from all of the pain and all of the suffering of people that I relate to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I asked myself a very specific question. I said, by watching the news three hours a day, am I actually making a difference? Zero. Okay. What is the only difference that I'm making? I'm torturing myself. I'm being harsh on my family. I'm not paying attention to my work. Now, I'll bring you the engineer side of me. The engineer side of me will tell you, unless you have an impact, you're wasting your life. Okay? And most of us being human and not gods and not, uh, uh, you know, X-men or X-women, hmm? uh, we are only able to impact on a few things in life. Yeah. I give 95% of my time to those few things and 5% to everything else, okay? I understand there is a problem with Brexit. I understand at the top level what that is. I understand deeply that I will never in my life have an impact on this. If there is a vote that I'm asked to go and vote for, I'm not a British citizen, so I will never be. But if you, there is ever a vote, at the time I will collect all the information and I will do the analysis and I will make a choice until then I'm wasting my life, I'm wasting my uh, stress, I'm wasting my, uh, my, my valuable resource where I can use that valuable resource to champion One right. Billion Happy, to champion uh, reinventing retail, to champion even spending time with one single friend having a cup of coffee discussing something that might make them happier. Yeah. All of that, without exception, is a better use of my time. It's a wise use of my uh, happiness inventory. Okay. Wise words. Yeah. So, so, so the, 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 what I ask people to do is the following. If you can do, you know, Ma Franklin Covey in business used to say it's in your area of influence or in your area of concern. All of the events of your life will either happen to be in your area of influence, which means you can actually influence them, or in your area of concern, which means you can hit yourself against the wall 600 times. You're not going to make a difference. Right. If it's in your area of concern, acknowledge it. Mm-hmm and focus on the stuff that is your in, on, in your area of influence and try to change it, okay? I go a step further and I say, if it's in my area of influence and my area of passion, hmm, how much of my attention should go to it? Yeah. So I'm passionate about happiness, compassion, 
empowering the feminine. I'm passion, passionate about fixing the environment. Okay? And believe it or not, by not being passionate about the, ch the negativity of having Donald Trump in the office, or the negativity of Brexit, or the negativity of greed, or the negativity of other problems, our f world is full of problems. Mm -hmm. I can't fix all of them. Mm -hmm. But I can champion those four hmm, and do the best that I can. And if the best that I can can make a dent, then I've done well. Huh? And if it doesn't, at least I spent my life doing something valuable. Mm. Okay? Happiness is a choice. I keep going back to the same point. Hmm? We choose to watch horror movies and wonder why we get nightmares. We, watch, we, we choose to allow violent movies on our TV screens and wonder why people uh, do school shootings. Okay? We choose to browse the internet and uh, uh, you know, and, and f your phone all the time, hmm? and wonder why our attention is becoming limited. Okay, it's they're all choices. It truly, truly is like fitness. Mm -hmm. Neuroplasticity is literally like muscle growth. Yeah. Okay, you sit in front of TV and watch negativity all the time. You're becoming really good at negativity. Yeah, and it's a choice. It really, it's simply, you've, you're training yourself to be the best negative person on the planet. And I say that with love and respect. Huh? Switch on your TV tomorrow morning, okay, in, in the UK. I do that every now and then just to verify that my information is correct. The first piece of news is going to be about something that a politician did that is supposed to aggravate you. Okay, whatever it is, it will have a different politician name and a different action tomorrow than it was yesterday, but it's the same category. The second piece of news is going to be about a violent thing that happened in your country. The third piece of news is about a violent thing that happened elsewhere in the world or a natural disaster that took the life of a, a lot of people. The fourth piece of news is going to be about something that you should really worry about in your future. Okay? And then they will say, and a penguin kissed a chick. Mm -hmm. Okay? Just to make you feel that life is still worth living mm -hmm. and you should actually go to work. Right. Okay? If you can't see the pattern, then I'm sorry to tell you, you're really, really not observing the big picture. Then mm -hmm. that's the pattern. Yeah. Yet we watch it every day. Why? Mm -hmm. Okay. The pattern is you watch a violent, and I, I say that with respect. And I stopped watching violent movies 12 years ago. I promise you, I get nauseous. Mm -hmm. Okay. When someone kills someone in a movie and I didn't expect, I get nauseous. I can't watch it anymore. I don't have it in me anymore. Yeah. While the reality is 12 years ago, someone would point a gun at someone else's head and shoot mm. in my own home and my heart wouldn't move. That's wrong. I'm sorry to tell you, it is wrong. It's absolutely wrong. We pass by homeless people, we don't even think about it. Okay, maybe solving the homeless problem is a problem, is a, is a challenge, huh? But your heart doesn't move. Mm -hmm. What happened to us? We trained ourselves to be negative we train ourselves to be unhappy we train ourselves to be unengaged yeah. okay we're training ourselves to stop being human yeah and then we ask why is the world where it is it's because we are where we are mm -hmm. yeah i knew today you were going to come and, and talk from the heart so uh, i appreciate it it's, <laughs> i always um, do yep. i always do but i have to say i have to say there is a sense of urgency i i really 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 believe that um, you know, I, I was blown away by the documentary on Netflix. It's called Our Planet. I don't know if you saw that. It really, really, really hurt my heart. We lose 120 species, not 120 mm -hmm. beings. 
Hmm? It's the greatest mass extinction has occurred in the last mm -hmm. decade. You just look at what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Look at what we're doing. Where is that coming from? How, how can we accept that? Hmm? And, and you know what? It is our own choice. It really is. And I don't expect me or the biggest leader in the world or you or anyone to fix it. Mm -hmm. I'm not responsible to fix the world. I'm responsible to fix my little world. And my little world revolves around three things. Hmm? About finding happiness, prioritizing my own happiness, okay? Investing in my happiness, like I invest in my fitness, like I invest in work, like I invest in listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. An hour a day, four times a week, invest in your happiness, mm -hmm. okay? And then have the compassion in you to share it with others. Just tell other people, hey, by the way, I realized that happiness is important. Hey, by the way, I realized that I... Uh, uh, learned something that maybe would benefit you. And if every one of us does this, the world will change from the bottom up. Right. And we're still waiting for Trump to fix it. Good luck. So if people want to find out a bit more about you, support what you're doing and, you know, purchase your book, what's, what's the best way for them help, to do that? Help, help us on the mission. OneBillionHappy.org is really... Uh, the core of this. Uh, the book is solveforhappy.com, solve like solving an equation. Uh, and all of the video, all of my, all of, all of the content of the book is available online. If you're not a reader, uh, that's also okay. And uh, yeah, we are actually hoping to launch a volunteer platform for uh, One Billion Happy within uh, a few weeks. So, uh, so that would be a big way for people to come in and contribute. Uh, we're trying to take this message and translate it to other languages in the world and spread it across the world. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm, uh, you know, um, outreach at soulforhappy.com is where I can get uh, messages and I respond to most messages. Uh, I read all messages, but I respond to most because it's almost impossible to have the time to, to answer all of them. And uh, yeah, just tell your sister and your best friend, champion two people, mm -hmm. make them happier. And that's all I'm asking you to do today. All right. Well, it's been—it's truly been an honour and a pleasure, and it's Fun. been a thank you. It's one of those podcasts where I just like, just happy just to sit back and you know. <laughs> thank you so much. Just I few, actually a few prompts and just like really take it all in. I really, know? I really, really enjoyed it, and it's. Uh, it was surprisingly easy driving through London. Did you notice that? Well, I deliberately took a longer route. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I wanted to go. pass Buckingham Palace so, uh -huh. because otherwise the journey would have been a little bit too short. Uh -huh. So I probably added a, a bit of a bit. To yeah, it. but even at six o'clock in rush hour, we still made it in very good time. We so. did, we did, we did, we did. Thank you for all right. Well, thank you. Yeah? thank you. Yeah. And remember, if you would like to help create a kinder and happier world, then please get involved with Action for Happiness. You can join thousands of others who are spreading a bit more happiness in their homes, workplaces, schools and local communities. Our website has all the information you need to sign up for our Exploring What Matters course and also details about facilitating one yourself. All the information is online and we're here to answer any questions you have. Don't forget to subscribe, like and follow to keep up to date with all our content and find out more at actionforhappiness.org. Join the movement, be the change.